You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. Tonight I'm going to be ministering to you on a really some powerful stuff. It's called Believing Beyond Boundaries. And when I talk about boundaries, I'm talking about things that you see in the natural that are slowing you down. Things that seem to limit what you can do. Whether it would be a bad financial state that you're in, or maybe it's a physical illness that you have and, and you feel like you can't do what God wants you to do, or maybe an addiction, whatever. How do you believe beyond those physical boundaries? Now, one of the things that I've learned is simply this. The world says seeing is believing. The word says we're to believe first, then see it. But I remember years ago when my parents taught me how to swim as a young child. And I remember going down to the lake and they said, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. And I, and I believed I could because I saw all these other people swimming in the water. But imagine if there was no one you'd ever known that learned how to swim. It'd be very difficult, wouldn't it? Because you couldn't believe based on what you saw, you would have to believe and then see it. And I'm going to show you how to believe beyond the barriers in our lives and boundaries that hold us back to what God has for us. Amen? Some of you have a terrific future. But you just don't know how to activate the power of God in that future and activate it and release it in your life in a supernatural way. Praise God. So I want you to turn, if you would, to John's Gospel, chapter 20. And we're going to look at a very powerful statement that Jesus says to Thomas after the resurrection. And I want you to keep this in mind as we look at this text. We always pick on Thomas, call him Downing Thomas. But I want you to remember that, and you can write this down for reference, over in Mark 16, 14, you see that Jesus rebuked the rest of his disciples as well and said uh, they were unbelieving because they had hardened their heart and they didn't believe the women that said Jesus rose from the dead. So they were in doubt and unbelief a lot like Thomas was. And Thomas had told them, I won't believe until I put my hand in his side and in the holes in his hands. And here the text starts out, Jesus appears, and then he said unto Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hands here and put it into my side and do not be unbelieving but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord, my God, Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen yet believe. Now notice, Thomas had what we would call sense, knowledge, faith. In other words, he believed because he saw it. You know, you sat down in these chairs without hesitation. Why? Because you've seen them support you before, and you know you can sit down in them and you'll be just fine. Amen? So that's the kind of faith that Thomas had, a sense knowledge faith, where you believe because you've seen something. But he said, blessed are those who believe without seeing. Now, let me tell you why that's so powerful. Let's say that the only time that you believe is when you see something. That means whatever you see 
controls whether you believe. In other words, you go to the doctor, he gives you some medicine, he says, take this within 24 hours, you're going to feel better. After 24 hours, you feel better, and you say, I believe I'm getting well. So the belief that you have on getting well is based on how you feel. Because remember, when the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight, sight includes the five physical senses. Touch, smell, all those things. Amen? So when you believe that way, you become controlled by what you see or what you feel. And how many know Satan is the God of this world? And Satan can control circumstances in your life. But when you believe in what is unseen right now, tonight, what God's word says, all of a sudden you begin to create things in your life that come from the creator and they can't be squelched, they can't be put out, they can't be extinguished because the creator does. In other words, you're no longer subject to the very thing that you would see. Rather, you're subject to Christ, who is the author of everything that you need in life. Amen? But if you, if you say to yourself, I believe that God's all met all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, because my checking account is full of money. Then basically what you're saying is, if your checking account, if you go through a financial struggle in your life, then all of a sudden there's a wavering in your faith because it comes from what you see rather than from what you believe, which is invisible. And then the other reason why the Lord doesn't want us to believe from what we see is because if you begin to believe because you see it, then what you see becomes the thing that you trust in. You know, you say, I'm healthy, I'm feeling great. All right, well, that means you're trusting in your own body. And that means if your body starts to have a problem, you'll go, okay, I, I'm losing my health. But when you believe according to the word of God, we don't trust in money. We don't trust in our bodies. We don't trust in our culture. We don't trust in anything except Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior of our life. Amen? And that produces this faith that is blessed. He said you'll be blessed if you can believe without seeing and I think some people miss that. And see, because in the Christian faith, how many know that the odds are usually stock, st uh, stacked against us as a believer? In other words, when we go into a battle, usually the enemy has the upper hand. But if you're believing based on what you see, you'll never be able to stand in faith. But if you're standing in faith based on what Jesus says, you'll be able to blast through that and succeed. Just because the odds against you doesn't mean you can't win. Think about it for a minute. One of the great miracles in the Bible is when Sarah got pregnant at 90 years old. Now, that's a miracle, isn't it? Just to get pregnant after menopause. They say that uh, five or ten years before menopause, women usually can't have a child. And so here's a woman who's went through menopause that has a child at 90 
I did a little check on this to find out if there's anybody else recorded that was old that had a child. And there was a lady I found. Her name was, uh, where's it at? I wrote it down here. Marie Del Carmen. She was 66 years old when she got pregnant. And she had twins. 66. The Bible's talking about a miracle of 90. We have no record of any woman outside of the Bible that had a miracle like that. The odds were against her. Say amen, everybody. And see, in the Bible, when you study, you'll find that most of the miracles that happen in our lives, it's when we were outnumbered, outgunned, and God came through because we believed. But if you're basing it on what you see, that won't happen. Now, let me show this to you in another way. How many have noticed over the last 30 years, some of you are not probably not even that old, but have you, for a long time, in the pulpit, a lot of preachers are talking about statistics. Here's a statistic. Second marriages, usually over 50% of them fail on the second marriage. And you get all these statistics, all these statistics. You know, if you start a business, one out of five businesses fail. You get these statistics. The statistics come from the world system. They don't come from what faith says. They come from what normally happens under normal circumstances, but what happens to us is never under normal circumstances. We have a supernatural God that can help us, a supernatural God that can give us a breakthrough, a supernatural God that can give you the wife that you're looking for or the husband you're looking for, a supernatural God that can do it in your life. Amen? So don't get caught up in the statistics. Uh, it don't look like the odds are against me because it doesn't make any difference. The doctor says, oh, wow, only 15% of the people that have your disease will recover. Well, the odds don't make any difference when you're standing in faith because you're not believing based on what you see. Now, we ought to be over this since we've had COVID-19. All the statistics, how screwed up they are, say amen, everybody. But I know this, that when you believe God, trust God, he will give you the breakthrough in your life. And it doesn't matter how many odds are against you. It doesn't matter how unprobable it might be that you would get a prosperous breakthrough in your life. It is still going to happen because you're blessed because you don't believe in what you see. You believe in what the Word says that creates what you see. Come on. Someone ought to give God praise tonight. Come on. Give him praise. He's powerful. Now watch this over in Hebrews 11.3. And I'm going to break this down a little bit for you so that you see the revelation in this. This will really help you. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made out of the things which are visible. Now, I want you to notice the word worlds there. It is actually the Greek word ion, which is translated in Greek ages or generations. Now, the, the translator has decided that he's going to uh, translate it worlds, which in some degree you can use it in that sense, but the word actually means ages. So here's what it's saying. The word of God has framed 
the ages to come. In other words, the future is determined by people's faith. Your future is not yet set. Your faith can change it. You may be broke, busted, and dyslexic. You might be living under the barrel, and you can change it tonight, and your future can be full of money, full of health, full of opportunities, full of success in your life if you would choose to believe God because the Word is what frames the future. And the word frame there is used in a very positive sense of it actually means to restore. In other words, by the Word of God, the generations to come were restored. Think about how our generation needs to get restored. And it comes from the Word of God in your life. But look at the text again. Put it up on the screen. And you see the same principle. You don't believe because you see. You believe first. Notice how he says it. By faith we understand the worlds were framed or the ages were framed by the Word of God so that the things which are seen, here it is, were not made of things which are visible. In other words, God spoke his word through his people, and they couldn't see the outcome yet, but they believed the outcome, and it changed the generations to come. It turned a generation that's fallen apart, and it restored them. It restored the drug addict. It restored the immoral person. It restored the person that's full of greed. It restored uh, people who are full of racism. It restored them. It restored them. That comes if you decide tonight you're going to be a champion. You're going to believe without seeing anything outward change. You're going to believe simply because God's word says to believe it. And you're going to embrace it. And you're going to see the blessing of God in your life. Are you with me so far? And I just, you know, I wish I would have heard this when I was... 20 years old. You can literally change your future tonight by the Word of God in your life. The word, like I said, frame means to restore. Restore your family line. Restore your health. Maybe bad hearts ran through your family all your life. You could restore that. Restore. Maybe you've been poor all your life. You can restore that and cause an inheritance to be passed on to you and onto your children's children, and you can change the next generation. That's kind of cool, isn't it? That's powerful. Now, I'm going to show you some stuff here tonight that you've probably never heard before. And I believe it is for you tonight. I believe it will change you and transform you. I want you to, to, to re-look at prophecy in Scripture. Most people, when they look at prophecy, they do not look at it correctly. They think once God says something, it's set in uh, concrete, it can never change. Let me show you something about his word that you need to remember. Look here at Jonah. How many remember the story of Jonah and Nineveh? God said, I want you to go there and prophesy to him. And Jonah, he didn't want to go to Nineveh. He wanted Nineveh to be destroyed. And so he fled on a boat, you remember? And then there was a big storm. The sailors threw him overboard. A fish ate him. And then the fish vomits him up on the shore after he prays inside the fish. Here it starts off from that point. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. Now listen to the message coming up here. 
So Jonah arose, went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city in three days' journey in extent. Now watch this. And Jonah began to enter the city the first, uh, the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, watch this. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, let me ask you a question about this prophecy. Did he say Nineveh would be destroyed in 40 days if you don't repent? Didn't say a thing about repentance. He simply stated that in 40 days, Nineveh would be destroyed. In other words, the future would be that. Didn't say, he didn't say if you repented, God would spare you. So the people had one of two choices. They could flee Nineveh. They had 40 days to pack up their stuff and get out of there. Or they did what they did. They repented. And God changed the judgment that he had put towards Nineveh because they heard what would happen in the natural and they said, but if I just repent and trust God, God will withhold that judgment and God withheld. He relented from destroying Nineveh. In fact, put it up on the screen. Jeremiah tells us that God will always do this for every prophecy every na to a nation. It says, the instant I speak concerning a nation, concerning a kingdom to pluck up, to pull down, to destroy, watch this. And if that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. But they didn't have that verse when he first spoke it. See, some of you here tonight and you think every time in the word God predicts or prophesies something that happens, you instantly think that's going to happen. No, 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 no. Think about it. When Jesus taught about the five virgins, the five that were ready and the five that weren't, he wasn't saying half of the people are going to get saved and half are not. He was preaching that so that people would be prepared and be in the camp that was raptured, be in the camp that is taken out of this place before judgment came. That's why he said it. When he said... Many will say to me in that, that day, Lord, Lord, we prophesied to you, I did miracles. You know. He says, depart from you, you work iniquities, I never knew you. He didn't say that to imply that there's going to be many, 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 many people that are going to reject him. He said it so that the ones that were listening would repent and give their hearts fully to Christ so that they wouldn't be in that category. In other words, he doesn't say these things so that when we all stand before the throne at the end of the age, he'll say, I told you so. He didn't do it for that reason. He did it so that people would wake up to the fact you have to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior to receive eternal life. You see, that, see how prophecy is sometimes misused? God's prophecies tells you what's going to happen if there's no repentance. But if we repent, if we believe his promises, God will alter the future in our life. We see that with the story of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, he gets sick. He's really sick. As for the prophet, the prophet comes and says, Thus of the Lord, you will surely die. I mean, it's scripture. That's what he said. And instead of just accepting it, 
he turned his faith towards Jerusalem and prayed. And as he prayed, wow. God heard from heaven, stop the prophet, send him back, and says, give, tell him I'm going to give him 15 more years, and I'm going to stop the wars they're under. Now think about what would have happened if Hezekiah had just, oh, must be the will of the Lord, I'm just going to die and go on to paradise or whatever. The war would have continued. But because he believed God, he changed not only his future, he changed the future of the people he was in. You don't like the future you have right now? Change it tonight. Begin to believe God for the promises. Because God will relent of the judgment that might, that might be coming your way because of sin in your life. But if you just repent and believe on the promises, God will relent of that. And he will not allow that to happen in your life. And you won't be destroyed. And you won't be defeated. And you won't be down and out. And you, you'll have a future that is full of hope and blessing in your life. And you ought to get excited right now about it. Praise God. But do you see that? We sometimes, when we look at the future, we, we think through prophecy that all we have to look forward to is tragedy and horrible things. But God reveals these things so that people will repent, so that they'll believe, so that we don't have to face those kind of problems in our lives. Let me give you some examples of some fathers and generals in the faith that I, that I, I know I knew personally. They're with, with Jesus right now. And one of them was Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts was a great healer. In fact, he raised a child from the dead. And, but his ministry didn't start out that way. He started out and he had tuberculosis. In those days that when you had tuberculosis, many times he would kill you. And his, his, uh, his parents were... Were, were Christians, and they took him to a, a healer, a faith healer. And on the way there, the Lord spoke to him and said this to him. He said, I am going to give you the power to heal people. And, that, and that's when he was 16 years old. Twelve years later, he started his healing ministry. If you ever get a chance sometime, just look on the Internet. They have some old clips of people that, that the healed. It's just wonderful. But what I want you to see is that his future would have been death if the faith preacher hadn't prayed in faith to change it. He never would have had his ministry. He would have died. If he hadn't went to, went to that, that tent crusade and, and had that, that, that pastor who believed in healing pray for him, his future would have ended right then. Another one that I love is Lester Sumrall. He, he came to our church uh, two weeks before he passed on to be with the Lord. You'd never know it. He preached fire, preached. He was powerful. Well, Lester Summerall was a very, he was raised with seven kids in his family. And his mother uh, got filled with the Spirit. She was a Methodist. And all of a sudden, all these prayer warriors are coming over to his house. And he was just a, 16-year-old wild kid. And he didn't want anything to do with God. He wanted to do his own thing. Anyway, he ends up, all of a sudden, he starts coughing up blood. And at first, he made fun of it. It was no big deal. 
but this went on and, and, and he had something wrong with his lungs. And like I said, in the time he, he got it, they didn't have the medicine they have today. And so for five months, he was bedridden because of this, puking up, vomiting up blood. The doctor in those days would come do house calls, came to his house and on, on one day he, he turned purple and he, was, he couldn't hardly breathe and he was dying. And the doctor says, he'll be dead in two hours. I'm gonna go to the funeral home and make arrangements and I'll be back. That's what the doctor said. So at that moment, he hears this report that he's gonna die. And he receives one of, the, uh, one of the few visions he had in his life. He had a vision. In the vision, he looked and to his right was a coffin. But the coffin was his coffin. And to the left, there was a Bible standing up. And the Lord spoke to him. He says, I will take this from you if you preach my word. He didn't want to preach his word. But he decided that that day, that he would dedicate himself to preaching the gospel. And all of a sudden, a young man that was going to die in two hours was healed. He woke up the next morning. His fever was gone. His chest didn't hurt. His mom said, can I bring you some soup? And he said, no, I want a meal like my dad has. I want a full meal deal. I want some bread. I want all this. And, of course, mother didn't understand it. The Lord had healed him during the night. But there was a choice, a future that he died or a future that he lived. And I don't know if you know anything about Lester Summerall, but his ministry is massive. As a church, had a, had a church of 35,000 people, or excuse me, 3,500 people. And he bought a ship to take food to the poor. He bought a TV station. He bought a radio station. He evangelized all of the globe. But he could have ended just another person dead. People talking about how nice he is. But he decided to believe. Are you going to decide to believe tonight that your future would be something great instead of something bad? Are you going to decide tonight that you're going to accomplish what God has called you to do? And even though you can't see it, you're going to believe what God's word says, that whatever you ask in his name, he will give it to you. See, it's really a choice on whether or not what you want to believe. Faith will change your future. So many people struggle, and they're just so bummed out about the life that they have. And they say, well, I'd have a better life if someone helped me. I'd have a better life if I had rich relatives. I'd have a better life if I was on the other side of the tracks. None of these people that I was talking about were on the right side of the track. But they decided to believe in something they could not see. And it changed the future. And it changed the world. And it changed people that they knew. I believe that's the kind of future God's called you to be. A champion tonight. Can you say amen Wednesday night? A champion that is ready to take on the world, that is getting ready to take on the blessing of God, that is ready to do whatever God has called you to do and to break forth with blessing in your life. You are a world changer. You're a world changer. Maybe no one's told you that before, but it's what you are. It's only because we're used to only believe in what we see 
that holds us back. You're blessed when you believe without seeing. I'll give you an example of this in Scripture. David, who was just a ruddy shepherd boy, the least of the family, if you remember the story in the Old Testament, the prophet of God went to his parents' house and wanted to anoint one of the boys to be the next king of Israel. Now, when he did that, David was just a runt. He was just a kid. And if you remember the story, they put up all the older boys that they thought the, the prophet would pray for, and it was not them. It was the, the, the smallest one, the, the readiest one. And David came and he prayed for him. That's when he was just a kid. That anointing helped him kill the lion and the bear, Scripture says. He killed a lion and a bear because something had changed. He believed what the prophet of God had said, that he would be the king of Israel. Now, here's the power in this. This one on, see, once you believe, you know when the opportunity opens up. You jump through it. So he knew God had called him to him. He'd proved it by the fact that he killed a lion and a bear. And all of a sudden, he hears about Goliath, this huge giant that's 11 feet tall that has been cursing Israel. And uh, see, in those days, you know, put out your strongest guy, we'll put out our strongest guy, and nobody would fight him in Israel. He's just too big, too mean. Hears about it, and he hears about the rewards. Now watch this. Here's the reward. The reward is you get to marry the king's daughter, which means you become royalty. And it means that you're going to get wealthy. In those days, kings didn't come from poor families. They came from the former king. In other words, a king then would have a son, and the son would be the next king. And then he would grow up, and, and he would retire and hand it off to the next. It, all came, it was always in royalty. So after the prophet had prayed for him, he's thinking, how can I ever be king? I'm not in the royal family. I don't have the money to be the next king. But as soon as he saw the rewards given to kill Goliath, he knew, that's my Dorian. That's the opportunity I'm going to take. I get the girl. I get the money. Plus, I don't have to pay taxes. Uh, instantly, I'm going to be royalty. Now I'll be in a position that I can become the king of Israel. See, you don't have to be on the right side of the tracks. All you got to do is be on the right side of the promise. All you got to do is believe what the promise of God says, and that will open the opportunities and the blessings in your life. Come on, church. Get excited about this. That's what God desires to do for each one of us if we would just dare to believe. Dare to believe what God's Word says and step into what we have. Now, here's what a lot of us do, and I want to show it to you in Scripture. Uh, Judges 9, this is Joshua. He's in the Promised Land. They're de they've already defeated Jericho. They're conquering the land. Now, some people in the land knew they couldn't whip them. They'd seen Jericho destroyed. They go, all right, if you can't beat them, join them. But the reality was they were to possess all the promised land, and they weren't supposed to bring all these other people on board. So they came up with a plan so that they could deceive Joshua, and he would make a covenant with them. Look what it says. But when the inhabitants of Gideon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, 
They worked craftily and went and pretended to be ambassadors, and they took old sacks on their donkeys, old wineskins tore and mended. Old and patched sandals on their feet, old garments on themselves. All the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua, to the camp of Gilgal, and said to him, to the men of Israel, we have come from a far country. It's a lie. They were in the promised land. They're deceiving them. Now, therefore, make a covenant with us. Now, you look down in the, in the give me the other two verses. Here's when the mistake comes with Joshua. Then Amizrael took some of their provisions, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. So Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live, and the rulers of their congregation swore to them. And because he made a covenant with them, he couldn't break it, and they were spared. Now, what did he do? He believed in what he saw. He didn't go to God and ask God, who's invisible, what's going on. He believed what he saw. He saw old clothes. He saw bread that was moldy. He saw uh, uh, wine skins that were torn and sewn. In other words, they looked like they came from a long journey. That's exactly what the devil does to us. He comes up and he gives you all of these signs that it's not going to work in your life because you know what he wants you to do? He wants you to make peace with him so that you don't receive what you are believing God for. Have you ever stood in faith for something and then had somebody come up that had had that terrible thing happen to them and start sharing it with you and you're thinking, I'm standing in faith right now and you're telling me right now that you were never healed? It's all a setup from the devil. He wants you to believe what you see rather than what is unseen because he knows that he can defeat you if you can just see yourself defeated if you can just see your circumstances defeating you if you can just see your life not going anywhere if you can just see the outward circumstances overwhelming you he's got you but when you stand in faith and you believe God and you trust in his promise and trust in his word even though you may not see anything changing immediately on the outside God is creating a new blessing he's creating a new thing that circumstances can't change in your life. You're going to win. You're going to prevail. Hallelujah. You may not feel like it. You may not look like it, but God's at work bringing it to pass in your life. Well, I think we ought to just do a little praise right now. Come on, just praise God right now. Thank him so much. Thank him so much for what he's about ready to do. Don't make peace with your enemies. I'm saying that concerning the devil, not people. You believe God and don't you surrender anything. I'm not going to give him an inch because you give him an inch, he'll take 10,000 miles. Just stand in faith for whatever it is and don't let the, those physical boundaries that you see, don't let them become what you live around. Break through it. Break through it by believing what God's word says. Look at this verse, final verse. Psalm 78, verse 41. Talking about Israel, the generation didn't go in. He says, yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the holy God of Israel. Say limited. Why did they limit? Because they went in to spy out the promised land. They saw giants. 
They saw armies. They saw catapults. They saw uh, cavalry. They saw horses and chariots, swords and spirits. See, Israel, I don't know if you know this, when they went in the promised land, they didn't really have any weapons except the, the things that they used in Egypt, you know, for, uh, you know, in the farm, farm life. The only weapons that they probably picked up were the ones that were found on the Red Sea after the Egyptians had died. Swords and shields maybe have washed up, but it was a limited amount of weapons. So when they went in and saw these people that are bigger than them, and they saw fortified cities, they saw soldiers that had been trained to be soldiers. They'd never been trained to be soldiers. They'd been trained to be servants. I mean, was, I don't know if you've ever been in the, in the martial arts or, or self-defense. There's an art to it. There's an art to it. Like you get in a fist fight, don't blink. If you blink, you get hit. But, you know, you got to be trained in these things. They weren't trained in any of that. So they saw what seemed to be odds against them. Can't defeat them. But if they would have simply believed what God's word says, it would have given them the, the victory. And it took a second generation to do that. I'm trusting tonight that you're going to be in the generation that believes. That doesn't allow what you see to hinder you. Well, I'll never pay off my house. It'll take 30 years to pay off my house. Who says so? The bank says so, but that's what's seen. God can make you a multimillionaire overnight. Just what he did with Israel, they all became multimillionaires overnight. And everyone that had an infirmity, it says not one feeble among them left Egypt. God healed them all. There was no one with walkers. There was no one on wheelchairs. There was no one handicapped. God healed everybody from the oldest to the youngest. And then it says they spoiled the Egyptians by sending the women into their homes and say, we, we need some money, we need some silver, some gold. And they, it says they plundered them. Which means they got all their goodies. Hallelujah. Said hallelujah. So you think, oh, it never happened to me. God will never. No, 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 no. Just quit looking at what is seen and start believing what is unseen. Because what is unseen controls what is seen. God's kingdom is more powerful than the world that we live in. The world that we're living in right now can be shaken. It can be shaken. The kingdom of God cannot be shaken. That's another reason why you should never, ever, ever, ever focus in on what you see. It should always be on what you believe. Because what you see is being shaken. But what is unseen isn't. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to give you a key here. Any victory that people receive in, the, in their life from God, there's always a leading of the Holy Spirit in that victory. They're never alone, never by themselves. It doesn't just happen. There's a leading of the Holy Spirit. But here's something about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit only leads those who believe. In other words, once you believe the promise, then God leads. It's just like a ship. You can't steer a ship until it starts going. You have to believe first, and then the Holy Spirit starts guarding you in your life, taking you the right opportunities, and you'll begin to notice it. Hallelujah. But you need to believe first. Pastor, I need a husband. Believe first. And you'll probably be walking out of the building 
uh, at church or maybe at the mall and, and the Lord will say, go over and get yourself a coffee at the latte stand. You go over there and you bump into somebody and that's it. Divine connection. Or maybe you meet somebody on the elevator. Amen. Are y'all here or gone to sleep? So you led by the Spirit. Remember this. Satan is the God of this world. He controls the world system to some degree. God is shaking it, but he's controlling it to some degree. So if we put our faith on the things that we see, uh, like listening to the news, then we're going to think we're in bad shape. Things are going from bad to worse, terrible. I don't really have a future and a hope. Looks like it's pretty bad, pretty pitiful. But if you go to the Word and say, Lord, I'm going to believe what your Word says. Your Word says, Lord, that there's angels around me. And they'll protect me. That's what your Word says. I've never seen my angel. Had other people seen it. I've never seen it. Amen. There's something comforting to be able to believe in the one that creates everything. There's a power in the ability to believe. Think about what you could do in your life if you just believed the resources of God. A farmer is only going to believe beyond the size of his farm. If he's got a 1,000 acres, he's only going to believe beyond the size of, of a 1,000 acres. But what if there was no limit to the size of the farm that you could purchase? Then there'd be no limits in your life. Hallelujah! And you wouldn't just be reading about stories in the Bible about people that do things. You'd be experiencing it in your life and you would run into people who use faith as well and things will start to change in your life in a great way. You have a future and a hope as long as you believe in what God's Word says beyond what it feels like, beyond what it looks like, beyond what it smells like, beyond what it touches like. If you would just believe first, Jesus said, blessed are those who believe without seeing. Amen. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.